Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. After a rocky start, the Blue Jackets turned in a pretty good effort last week, picking up their first wins of the season. We'll talk about the last week in Columbus, what's good, what's bad, maybe some about the coaching, and a few other points of interest around the league. I'm Ryan Real. Joining us for this episode, we've got Eric Seeds. Hey, Seeds. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. We've got Pale Dragon. Hey, PD. Hey, Ryan. So, guys, the Jackets won two of their games last week against Carolina and Buffalo right after we recorded last week's episode, which we probably all could have seen coming. And they they lost narrowly to Anaheim on Friday. So, PD, you had a cannon blast kind of taking stock of the team. Will also wrote an early season impressions piece. Kind of, there are definitely some bright spots on this team, some things to clean up. But I think we all feel a little bit better than we did Monday night last week before the Buffalo game. Yeah, it's... You know, hey, they they won two out of three games this week, right? You know, yes, <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. They're, tre- they're trending in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. There's there's inconsistency, but that's not surprising. I think we knew that there were going to be ups and downs as the season's gone along. But hey, the two wins were each the first mm-hmm. loss mm-hmm. for the teams that we played. So that means we're a good team, right? And and to date, the only loss for each of those teams. That's right. Yeah. I'm happy they won both games la- or two games last week. It's unfortunate that the one they lost was the one I attended. Sure. Because because that's because that's just how my life goes. But uh, no, I thought the Jackets looked pretty good. I was legitimately surprised that they won that Carolina game on Saturday night, which was a weird game in general, especially like just watching and recapping that. First of all, uh, can you guys like score more than 10 seconds apart next time so I can have time to, you know, write thoughts and uh find highlight gifts, but right, uh, I'm trying to make the gifts and then, you know, right. I'm making yeah. one and the other one's in the back of the net. <laughs> you, you guys, you guys are ma- not making this easy on the Canon staff here. So <laughs> at blue jackets NHL, do us a favor here. But, uh, I think, um, no, I think I thought they looked pretty good. I thought Jonas Corpus looked good both nights. Um, his rebound control still leaves a little bit to be desired, but for the most part, he did enough to win both nights. And I thought, I thought he looked really well. The Carolina game, as I said, was a little bit weird in that it was just so the goals came back to back and the jacket. But the Jackets did a really good job in the third period of seeing a very dangerous Carolina team out. And I was really, really surprised to see them just like 
mostly keep Carolina on the perimeter. I hadn't seen this team do that thus far this year, so they did a good job. Yeah, I don't feel like that was a game that we stole or anything, or like a game that we should not have won, you know, against a better team. Like, I felt like we looked evenly matched out there. And yeah, the defensive play was quite good. That is something that I feel like has improved each game as the season has gone on. Only five games, but still, I feel like we've seen improvement game to game uh, with the with the defensive play, and that's a good sign going forward. And I think, like you mentioned in Cannonblast, Jonas Corposalo. I mean, if this team's going to go anywhere, Jonas Corposalo has to be good. And I think he, he looked really good on Saturday to me, and I think he's settling in. And it's always been the playing time. Mm-hmm. That's what we've always heard. He's yeah. getting that, and I think he's I think he's starting to settle in. Looks good to me. Yeah, three. Three games in a row, and I feel like he has played better in each game. I thought he, mm-hmm. I thought he looked good for the most part Friday night. Like, yeah, um, the the one the one goal they gave up on that two on one that went off the referee's skate or the linesman's skate, which was just stupid as hell. But and but and Corp, like Zach Wierenski took away the pass, and Corpus Hall just got beat straight up. But I thought outside of really that, he looked pretty good Friday night. Like, yeah, Jaggers just couldn't find a way to beat Ryan Miller. Somehow, yeah, that that so. game that game was on on the offense for not finishing. That was in by no means on Corpy. And that's what I wrote in the recap. I was, and still do remain, a little nervous about the finishing. Yeah. But this team is so young. PLD has scored in two straight games. Texier looks yeah. really good. Bjorkstrand looks really good. Yes, Bjorkstrand is a beast. He dominated Ajo on that goal. And I do want to point out, Seeds, of course it would go that they would win the Monday night game that nobody goes to against Buffalo. <laughs> and then they would lose the Friday night game because this is the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we know, we know this at this point. But uh, no, and, and and the power play is looking decent, looking mm. better than decent for the jackets. But better I, I, than I'm not sold on it yet. Honestly, it, I I feel like those the ones that they've gotten have been like very quick goals. So I don't know that that's sustainable. When they've had like an extended power play, they, I've seen a lot of the same problems mm-hmm. that we've seen for the last two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are still struggling to re-enter the offensive zone on the power play. And when they get set up, they're not getting, you know, they're not getting a ton of shots, quality shots, still too much static, you know, placement. So I still have concerns about that, but, you know, I'm happy that at least we're top 20, which uh, Will has kept predicting. Right. Yeah. If, Fun fact, if the season ended right now, the Jackets would have the uh, the best power play they've had in the John Tortorella era. <laughs> they're, they're at 20% right now, and he has never had that over a season in his Blue Jackets tenure. <sighs> but I would I would have to agree that it's... I have had, you know, when they scored quickly, you know, th- it seems to be that the key for this power play is for them to win the offensive zone faceoff and score on that first opportunity because otherwise they're not scoring. Like you said, it's just really, really static right now. The guy we've we've had we've harped on these issues for in in recaps and on podcasts going back years. We just have a lot of guys standing around, and one of our best shifts uh, in that Carolina game was just Alexander Texier and Oliver Bjorkstrand just cycling the puck in the corner and making Carolina work and wearing out that wearing out that Carolina defense on a long shift. Granted, it, it, that didn't result in a goal, but eventually. Couple minutes later, Yorkstrand scores. Like it's like those things matter, and we just don't on the power play. At least we don't move enough, in in my opinion. My biggest disappointment on the power play is that we haven't really seen much out of Emil Bemstrom yet. 
I had such high hopes for him mm. and that he could be the jolt just because he's got that that lethal shot. He knows how to get in position, but he just seems to be not in the right place at the right time yet. I don't think his teammates aren't used to how he's going to play. And so he hasn't really had the chance to unleash that shot yet. And that's been disappointing because uh, I think that could be a really great weapon. But, you know, he just hasn't. Uh, he just is not adjusted to the league yet, I don't think. Yeah, he's only got four shot attempts through five games right now. So, yeah, not great. Somebody I've been pleasantly impressed with, Gustav Nyquist. He's just so consistent and so in control from what I've seen. He's got two points, but I just, he he is somebody who, when he has the puck on his stick, I trust him with this. I, I He's not going to do what Boone's been doing and, and throwing it everywhere, willy-nilly. He, I, I trust him to control it, to make something happen. I mean, he sprung PLD, held it just the right amount for that game-winning goal on Saturday against Carolina. I've just been very happy with him in his role, and I think he's he's going to grow into that as he gets more used to this offense and this team. But Gustav Nyquist, thumbs up for me. He's a solid veteran, and I think yeah, it's it took a couple games for him to get used to you know new line mates or whatever. But he's you know he's reliable. You know he's going to be in the right place at the right time. He can you know make all the shots, make all the passes against Carolina. There was one play that I was really impressed with. Um, where he and Cam entered the zone, and I think it was Cam carrying the puck in, but he got stood up the line. He was able to make a quick pass, pass to Nyquist, get around his defender, and Nyquist passed it right back to Cam, who was then able to skate towards the net and get a shot off. And it was just a really, it was bang, bang, but it was mm-hmm. crisp passes right where they needed to be, you know, and a great way to enter the zone. And, and that, that really impressed me, and I'd love to see a lot more of that going forward. Thumbs up for uh, Nyquist from me. Hey, how about Alex Winberg? Two <laughs> assists on Saturday. He's won fifty-three percent of his faceoffs. Alex back? Don't call. D- don't call it a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> he he's actually shown a willingness to shoot the puck. Yes, he's he's averaging one shot on net per game this season thus far, guys. It's, <laughs> it's big. He's doing it. I mean, if he's if he's going to be our if he's going to be our second line center, he's going to have to. He's got three points thus far. Two, two even strength assists, you know, he's I, he's playing 18, 18 minutes a night. I mean, ideally, I'd like to see a little more. I'd like to see a lot more from him, but at bare minimum, he's at least playing better than he was last year, which is nice to see. He's not an, he's not an abject liability on the ice like I felt like he was at points last season, especially down the stretch when he was healthy scratched. So I'm, I'm happy for... Winberg's development I'd like to see it continue and him do a little more but I mean I can't say he's the worst player on this team right now I I hope that he is picking up some confidence from the start and some comfort and that that will grow going forward and will maybe start to see him make more noticeable plays but yeah I've been happy with how he's played so far yeah he's certainly not a liability on the ice not a world beater but uh, I, I think that he's closer to to what we need him to be. I was gonna say, would you guys like to at any point this season, especially if Boone continues his struggle, would you guys like to see Alex Texier get a run at center? Mm, not yet, because I still feel like he can make an impact on the wing on the line. Uh, I just, I don't know if he's ready for center duties at the NHL level yet. We didn't we didn't know PLD was until he did it though, so. Well, but he had he had played center in Quebec at least, whereas I think Texier was playing 
mostly wing over in Finland. So I think that was less of an adjustment for PLD than it will be for Texier. I mean, I, I think he maybe could handle it, but I'd still like to, I think he could have more impact in a winger role at this point. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he's seems to, I mean, he's playing well. I think let him get a little bit more comfortable. Don't throw something in. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I'm not ruling it out. Certainly depending mm-hmm. on how this year goes with injuries. I mean, and Josh Anderson's starting to come back to his skating. Maybe that'll change the forward group a little bit. I, I leave him on the wing for now because he's, he seems to, seems to be digging that. Also, I, I think that he's, he's been one of the few players that consistently brings an offensive spark. And if you move him to center, then he's going to have to have more defensive responsibilities and I feel like that could take away from what he's contributed on offense. So that's another reason why I think I would leave him at wing for now. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. But if we're talking lineup decisions, see, I do want to ask you because you were talking, you were tweeting about this during the Carolina game. I mean, the, the Sonny Milano, it's not an experiment at this point, but you had thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Um, why, why is he still here if you're only going to play him eight minutes and four seconds a night? I, he is by far playing the fewest minutes of any jacket. And it, and it speaks to a larger ish, or larger concern I have. Obviously, when Josh gets back, Josh is going right into the lineup. You know, he he has no points through two games. Uh, reaggravated that did they event, did they ever actually call it a shoulder? Because I'm just I guess I guess I just always assumed it was a shoulder. But he he put up Josh Anderson put up six shots through two games. Mm-hmm. Like Josh Anderson is a big part of our offense, and he's going to be when he gets back, and he's going to slot right back in. Which just leaves, and it's going to be probably for Sonny Milano, who's just back on the outs. And I don't, I don't understand what this team's handling of Sonny Milano is at this point. And it speaks to a larger issue that I have, kind of with the coaching. I guess for anyone who follows me on Twitter, they know I'm not the biggest John Tortorella fan. It's just to be expected at this point. But I don't understand the lack of usage of playmakers and playing certain guys like Nick Foligno so much time. Like Foligno has the most, the fourth most minutes of any forward on the roster this season behind the top line of uh, uh, behind, behind PLD Winberg and Cam Atkinson. I, I guess my biggest, I, f- I feel like Sonny Milano is part of a larger issue that, I just I I don't know if John Tortorella has worn out his shelf life or what, but like you know when I see when I see Sonny Milano playing eight oh four a night, I see Jakob Lilia playing nine oh four a night. Emil Bemstra's getting ten minutes a night. You know these are these are guys that we're going to need to develop, and I just don't. It's 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 just frustrating to see guys, and, and I got really really frustrated at the game on Friday. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there in two fourteen watching Felino come down the ice and dump the puck into the far corner when he's got a guy streaking in unmarked on the far on the far side of the blue line and Felino literally never ever looked at him like 
Year, years past, it felt it feels like it felt like this Blue Jackets team would have you know the wherewithal to at least look for the pass, and if it's not there, then you dump the puck. It's it it's and it speaks to like the larger issue that is part of this team that they have right now is that we don't have a lot of playmakers on this roster, which is why I asked that uh, Alexander Texier question. I think he is one of the better playmakers we have on this roster, and we need guys who can create plays, who can who have the vision to see the ice and I just don't see the guys who we might have um who who might who might be able to have that or might develop into that. They're not getting a lot of minutes. I mean, I'm glad Oliver Bjorkshin is getting over over 16 minutes a night at this point because that's I mean, he deserves it. And I really hope Josh coming back doesn't doesn't hinder his his minutes going forward here. That's I, I realize there's, there's a lot to say there, but my my biggest concern is just our playmaking and our usage of playmaking forwards at this point in the season. Well, the, the first thing I'd like to say in rebuttal is that I loved it so much in that first goal against Carolina, Nudevara's goal, that first of all, the play was started by Felino making the outlet pass from the defensive zone. And then Cam Atkinson dumped the puck into the offensive zone and, and went off ice because he had yeah, but that, that the end of the So it was a successful dump. But, that's, but you know... <laughs> But that's one goal. Dumping does work. Games. Dumping does work when done properly, which I admit Felino doesn't always do it properly. But as far as deployment, I don't have an issue with it. I think one a big reason why Felino has gotten as much ice time as he has is that he's one of the players that Torts trusts defensively, and I think he's uh, I think he's all right to do that. Felino's been on ice for. 3.4 goals per 60 and 2.5 goals against per 60. So I think that's at even strength. So I think that's deserved that he's getting, you know, defensive time and he's getting more defensive zone starts than offensive zone starts for Milano. You know, I don't know who I would play him more than, especially guys that are getting more offensive roles because you're not going to play him more than Texier or Bjorkstrand or Anderson, you know, I guess I would just like to see, I, I hate seeing eight minutes a night because I legitimately don't understand the point of that. Like at that point, why not just a try to try to, why, why not scratch him and send or try and send him to Cleveland and play Hannah Kynan. I, I, you know, Sonny's a former first round pick. And I just fundamentally don't understand eight minutes a night. That does no one, it doesn't do the player any favors. It doesn't do the team any favors. My disappointment comes from the fact that I still don't feel like Sonny is doing anything to earn more ice time. So, yeah, he's only getting eight minutes late a night, but he has two shots on goal in three games. That, that I, I will concede that is exceptionally terrible. I like, mean, considering, yeah. like, like, what does he profile as? He profiles as a skilled offensive a player, and yet he's just not providing enough of that spark. When he's there on the ice, and let's see what kind of uh, what kind of split is he getting? And he's yeah, sixty one per sixty one point five percent offensive zone starts to thirty eight point five defense. So he's getting they're trying to deploy him in an offensive role, and yet he's not shooting. He does have a fifty five percent Corsi, which is at least good. But yeah, yeah, and that's not bad. But then, and he's been on ice for. No even strength goals for it in the time that he's been on ice and 5.1 goals against per 60 when he's been out there. So again, so that he doesn't. He has I enjoy the time. that we are both Tort on the same hockey reference paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so towards, I said he trusts Felino 
defensively. He clearly does not trust Mulatto defensively. And and I think and that's what's been holding him back for the last three years, really. And and there has and at what point do we stop expecting him to improve? Yeah, you know? I'm I'm legitimately surprised they haven't cut bait already. Yeah, I, maybe they still feel like they could trade him rather than just putting him on exposing well, him to waivers. And, that, and that's what I mean. Like at this point, I'm surprised they haven't traded him to I don't know whoever for a fifth round pick at this point. I like. Sonny Milano to me seems like the classic case of a guy who needs a change of scenery. I'm just, I, 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 my, my biggest concern, I know Ryan, you mentioned your biggest concern this year is the lack of finishing. Mine is the lack of playmaking. Mm -hmm. And I kind of noticed that a lot when I saw it, when I saw a team Friday night, it was just like, we don't have a lot of guys who, you know, if the, if the, if the pucks in the offensive zone, Who's gonna make that? Who's gonna make that pass that the defense isn't? Who's gonna create a play to you know kind of break the defense down that they're not really expecting? And I can think of like three guys on our roster right now who I would trust to make that pass, and it's like Bjorkstrand, Texier, and one of Seth or Zach. Like that's about all I got. You know what? What about Cam or what about Josh? I don't think either of them are like the creative. Like I don't think I don't think Cam is that that great of a passer. Like mm. his assist numbers in his career have never been all that great. He's never really been that kind of break him down. He's more of a finisher. And Josh kind of strikes me as a bigger Cam Atkinson. Like they they can make they can make problems with their like Josh can make problems with his speed and transition, which is a very useful skill in the, in the NHL in 2019-20. But it, it like like on a long shift in the offensive zone when you need someone to make a creative pass that you know the defense isn't really expecting. That's not really Josh or Cam's game. I do think that those two guys are guys, though, who defenses need to be aware of because their shots are yeah, so yeah, good. Yeah. And I yeah, think and I think a guy like, you know, Nyquist or hopefully Wenberg are guys that can make the passes to those types of players. So I think there's right. something there. But I, I, I do understand your, your overall point. But I also think that nothing I've seen suggests that Sonny Milano in 2019 can be that no, type no, of player. No, I'm, 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 not, I'm, so, not, yeah, I'm not saying Sonny. I, I, I'd I'm rather more saying that, like... Yeah, I'd rather cut bait with him and, and bring up Cole Sherwood. Yeah, it, it, it seems to me more of a deeper roster issue, right. roster building issue than anything else at this point. And, you know, when, when you lose a guy like Artemi Panarin, these things are just going to happen. It's kind of who are you going to how you know, how are you going to fix this issue going forward? We'll see what the team does. But, you know, that's a conversation for another day. Maybe maybe Liam Foodie is the savior we all need next year. Or uh, Kirill Marchenko over in Russia, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And Foodie's Foodie's back. He's off his injury, so getting some time down in Major Junior. But I'm I'm looking at at Milano's isolated five on five charts, and he brings a lot to the offensive side, but defensively it is just a crater. And that's not going to work with Tortorella. And I was trying to think if there has been, I don't want to say a reclamation project, but anybody who was a tweener that's come in in the John Tortorella era and legitimately made it. And I mean, Duclair last season is the most glaring example. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't think of somebody who really, I mean, Wierenski, PLD, those guys came in and excelled, but I mean, they're still struggling with, with, you know, Wierenski's, I don't want to say lack of defense, because that's clearly not true, but you know what I mean, right? There's always preaching the defensive responsibility. He was brought in as a rover. They kind of tried to dial that back last year, and there's that's still going on. If you can't play defense in John Tortorella's system, you're not going to play, and that is woefully... And so I, I'd point to Bjorkstrand as, as the model, then, that we okay, would want yeah. players to follow. 
because I feel, you know he's had his ups and downs under Torts times where he's been on the roster and he's been off the roster even last year for example but I yeah. think we've seen this year Bjorkstrand has developed much more of a 200 foot game now no mm-hmm. one's going to mistake him for Mark Stone but he's at least not a liability and he seems stronger this year he's throwing his body around you know he's battling for the puck and and those are the kind of things that put you in John Tortorella's good graces you know so I think Bjorkstrand you know he's it, He's, it's been a, a process with him. That's my, that was my next question. <laughs> it's like his fifth year in the league. I'm happy for him. I'm right. glad. But. But, he's, but, he's, but he's gotten to that point. And, and, you know, I think we've been waiting for Milano to get that. But I think he's even behind Bjorkstrand's development yeah, pace in that yeah. regard. And I would say, also, I would say who, Cam Atkinson is, can... well, Cam Atkinson has become a different player under Torres. Remember, he was, the, he was a healthy scratch on, in Todd Richards' last game. But then, and he was seen as just like this offensive guy, but, you know, Torts then gave him more defensive responsibility right from that first season with him. And he's one of our best penalty killers. Yeah. Which he, I don't think he'd ever really played penalty kill prior to Torts, but then Torts gave him the shot. I don't know if it's just because he was a a short guy or a New England guy or what, but (laughs) he he has, he has thrived in it as well. So I think those are two cases uh, where guys changed their game under Torts and it was for the better. Um, and I, we just haven't seen that for Milano. This is how you know this is a real Columbus Blue Jackets podcast. We're spending 10 minutes talking about Sonny Milano. They played five games. This is diehard CBJ stuff yeah. right here. Also, I just want to throw a side note. Anyone who thinks Zach Wierenski is not playing good defense in calendar year 2019 can at me because I will come at you with proof. Zach Wierenski has <laughs> arguably been our best defender this season. I shouldn't have said Zach Wierenski. You know what I meant, but I, <laughs> I know. But yes. no, no, no. I I, re- I recognize there are a lot of Zach Wierenski haters out there, but Zach Zach has played noticeably better defense in every area of the ice this season. I think he's played great. I think he's been fine. I would say that uh, Nudavara or Gavrikov have been much more impressive to me in the defensive zone than Zach Wierenski. But that's not that's that's not a knock on Wierenski. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Zach is do, doing what he's and, and you know, people throw back, you know, oh, he's a minus three right now. First of all, plus minus is a terrible stat, but I think I think Zach has been noticeably better. And if like he's and with the offensive side of the game that he brings, it's he's been I think he's been outstanding this season. I have no in like that, like, as, as I mentioned, that play earlier in the Anaheim game where uh, Corpus Allo got beat straight up. Zach Wierenski did everything right there. You know, he he defended the pass. He didn't even give him a lane. Uh, and then Corpus Allo just got beat straight up. It's it's it happens in hockey. But I think I think Zach has been just fine to start this season. Can we talk some more about how good Vladislav Gavrikov looks? Yes. <laughs> and and can, how is it possible that Torts thought that Scott Harrington was the best option for six defensemen on opening night. Because since Gavrikov has been in the lineup, he's bad. been amazing. I'm glad that that shoot was pulled as quickly as it was. I'll say that. <sighs> I am, as long as these six defensemen are healthy, this should be our top six all season. And I don't see any reason to change it. No, no. Of the last three games, the d- defense has been so strong. So strong. G- Gav- Gavrikov doesn't look one one ounce out of place. I, every time I see him play on the ice, he's not noticeable. But because he plays such a defensive, defensively responsible role, it's fine. That's that's what you want. Like, you you want to not right. notice him. I, I, right. If 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 he plays 15, 16 minutes a night, and I don't notice a thing he does, that means he did his job to a T. Yeah. 
And I have no complaints about him. He looks outstanding. And the important thing about the defense is the whole year it's been goaltending, goaltending, goaltending of the whole the whole summer. And having a steady top six is gonna make such a difference, especially because we don't know how Elvis is. We've he's had one game and we don't know when he's gonna play next. But having a legitimate strong six defensively that looks the way they have in the past couple games, that is going to be huge for this team's goaltending unit. It has to be. So having Gavrikov back there, having being able to plug him in the way they have and have him be so steady, that's 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 huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys, there have been two weeks of NHL play. Who do you think is the best team in the league? Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the goal differential with and without Connor McDavid on the ice? Doesn't matter. Five and oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go in a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go same division, different. Uh, different team. I'm picking the Vegas Golden Knights. That team, if if Mark Andre Fleury is half decent, that team is utterly terrifying. Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Bill Carlson, those guys are legitimate world beaters, and I think Vegas is like, you know, I mean, they're a, they're a plus ten goal differential already. Like that's insane. So, yeah, I'm picking Vegas right now. After two weeks, we all thought Edmonton and Buffalo would be on top of their respective divisions, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> totally. That's what we all thought. And the Jackets the only team that have beaten Buffalo, and it took overtime to do it. I'm glad I picked the Flames to win the Pacific. I feel real good about that now. I will, I will <laughs> say that. But Colorado is apparently as good as everybody thought they were going in. I, I, was, a, I was a little bullish, or I was a little bearish on Bullish? Bearish. What's the bad one? Bearish is bad. Yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was a little bearish on them. They're... They they look really good. They've only allowed nine goals in four games. I think real answer in Carolina is they're matching the hype. Like I think they're going to be a very dangerous team again this year. I kind of wasn't sure if they would be able to maintain the momentum from last season, but yeah, and nothing I saw on Saturday discouraged me from that. I think they're still a very very good team, a very deep team as well. If they get if they get a if they get goal if they get good good goaltending from Morazic down there, they're going to be really scary this season. So. Agreed. All right. Well, that will just about do it for us. Make sure to check out JacketsCanon.com for all of your Blue Jackets news, all of your Cleveland Monsters news as well. Elaine wrote up the past couple games uh, from the weekend against Syracuse. Check that out, JacketsCanon.com. Also, make sure to check out our Fan Pulse. You can join. SB Nation is looking for informed Blue Jackets fans. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are an informed fan. I can tell you that right now. So they're looking to kind of take the pulse. They'll do surveys and kind of just, it's it's a great way to get the feeling of the fan base. So check that out. You can, there's a link on jacketscanner.com as well. You sign up for it. It's going to have you take a survey to start. And then throughout the season, you'll just get periodic emails asking you to you know, answer just a couple questions per week. Like it's not going to be a huge time commitment or anything. Uh, I signed up for the college football fan post thing. So I just have to answer a top 25 poll and then a couple other questions each Sunday and that's it. And it's really cool. And I like seeing then the results from, you know, around the fandoms that we have represented on SB nation. So we're hoping to get, you know, people voting for all 31 teams in the NHL and it's going to be cool to track these things over the course of the season just to see, you know, what the fans around the league think. So, yeah, please do go to our, our site and uh, and sign up for that today. Yeah, it's a really cool program. So check that out. 
All right, that will do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Check out Angela's album 430. You can stream it. You can find out more at angelapurley.com. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes, recommend it to your friends, write us comments on there. That, that helps boost us on iTunes, and that makes a big difference for people finding the podcast. You can find us on any podcast service you want, though. We welcome your comments and questions. You can find us on Twitter, at cbjcanon, and of course, at jacketscanon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.